The Playful Psychologist podcast is hosted by me, Emily Hanlon, a clinical psychologist who primarily works with children and adolescents. This podcast has been designed to offer support to new psychologists who may feel as though they are drowning in uncertainty. It has also been designed to inform and educate parents and teachers on all things child development. Along with some special guests, I explore different aspects of child development, including developmental disorders and emotional regulation, while also advocating for those who may be falling through the cracks in our current system. Hey guys, and welcome to the final episode of the Playful Psychologist podcast for this season. Today, I'm really grateful to be joined by Jen from Connected Parenting. This is an Instagram account that I love. If you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen me commenting and sharing a bunch of the posts, and I think we're very aligned. So it's really awesome to get be able to chat with Jen today and we're going to talk about the dreaded public meltdown that toddlers and kids can you know throw at us at any moment Um, but before we get into it welcome Jen thank you so much for being here why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do Hi, Emily. It is so nice to be seeing you face to face (laughs) and feel exactly the same about your beautiful page. Um, So I am Jen. I'm from Connected Parenting. I actually work as an obstetric social worker in a maternity unit in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also work as a parenting coach, mm-hmm. assisting parents with connection and attachment from naught to six. Um, I have a real passion for helping parents with those daily struggles of getting kids to listen or helping with meltdowns and understanding the why behind behavior. Mm-hmm. And I do one-on-one consults. I run lots of parenting groups. I'm a circle of security facilitator, a shooting the kids facilitator, and I love running those programs and seeing the difference that makes mm-hmm. for parents. But I also love doing one-on-one intervention with people where we just kind of crack right into what's happening yeah. in the house and how to make it better. Yeah. Largely through connection. Yeah, for sure. I think that's so important. I think it's funny that like you said what you said about like the getting to the understanding of the why of behavior. I'm obviously huge on that as well. And I guess that's why I wanted to chat today about like public meltdowns and stuff. Cause I think so often you see, like, I know, especially me, like in my younger years, you'd see a kid having a meltdown at the shops and you're like, spoiled brat <laughs> now you're like oh my god like, yeah I know and now you're like oh my god I get it like and you know after all the studying I've done and now I have a little one of my own um I totally <laughs> I totally get and it. now as a parent you see a parent with a child having a meltdown and you think oh my god sister, I want to you. <laughs> like literally I'm like how can I help like do you need me to push the trolley <laughs> So, yeah, my perspective has totally changed. But I guess, like, what would you classify? Because I think sometimes as well, like, language is important to use here because I'm a very firm believer of that there is a huge difference between, like, a tantrum and a public meltdown. So what would you say, in your opinion, a public meltdown is and, like, what does it look like? What's it triggered by? I think we all know what what they look like. (laughs) But I think what they're triggered by, and we would know just how much for little kids, their body can just trigger big feelings and overwhelm. So sometimes it can be being rushed or it's the heat or it's hunger. And it's literally like a feeling within the body got so much. And 
kids can't communicate that effectively because they don't have grown-up brains and so it boils over. But I think often, as we would know as parents, it can be the underlying emotion is probably disappointment or frustration. Mm. And that's usually because a parent has said, no, we can't. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I and think, so, sorry yeah. to cut you off, I think as well that's so important because I think often we go, they had this meltdown because I said they couldn't have an ice cream. And, like, that is more like the straw that broke the camel's back, right? Yeah. And often there is, like, if we, if we track back, we're like, well, they've just done three days at preschool. Mm. They hadn't had anything to eat yet. Mm. And I was rushing. And actually I was pretty stressed. They were picking up on that. And then they wanted a gingerbread man. And mm. I said, no, because I was rushing to get to the post office and then DEFCON 4. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. But like, I, yeah, I do think that's a, a really important thing to understand that usually the underlying like feeling isn't like irritability at the caregiver or irritability at the adult. It's more like anxiety or frustration or pure overstimulation for even from a sensory perspective. Like if we're tracking back a lot of those public meltdowns, they do happen in like shopping centers, which are so overstimulating especially when you're tired or you, like you- and I I get so overstimulated yeah. in a shopping center absolutely and you know one of the things I've noticed about my four little boys in shopping centers <laughs> they often trip over more yeah. and I think there's there's this physical thing where the, the noise and the stimulation is so much mm. they're having this physical thing where they're more clumsy for sure um, and that's just been so noticeable for me and to learn about why that's happening over the yeah. years yeah it all connects yeah, I think it like I, I think as adults, like for me, I don't like I am over. I get overstimulated easily, and but I think I forget that like I'm an adult that sometimes gets overstimulated. So imagine if you are little, especially. I think it's important to remember coming out of lockdown is yeah. really like a, a serious thing. I remember the first like I've taken my son to the shops heaps, especially during lockdown. We'd go to you know the supermarket because it was literally the only, the only thing, thing to do. do. <laughs> um, wander the aisles, but I remember the very first day that shopping centers actually reopened in Sydney and I I popped him in the trolley and we walked around and he was like so quiet at first he just didn't know what to do and we sat down and had a coffee and he was just staring up at the escalator with his mouth wide open just waving like he'd literally never seen people before and he didn't he didn't have a meltdown or anything we got in the car he fell asleep straight away, which is unheard of. For so him. overwhelmed. Yeah. So overwhelmed and so exhausted by the experience. And I think that is also something we need to remember that we had all these, you know, kids doing all these beautiful things. We took it all away from them and then we just kind of expected them to go back to normal. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So I think that's that's really tricky. So I don't know about you, but when I have to say no to something in the shops and we have a little bit of a situation in the trolley, I feel like all eyes are on me, like all eyes, all the old men are staring and that sort of thing. I do definitely think that a lot of the parents give that empathetic look, but I think other people, you definitely get that vibe that you're like being judged as a mum. Do you think the experience of a public meltdown is just as tough for a parent as it is for a child? You know, I want to say it's probably worse Mm. because I think for us, we are taking on in that moment, think about what's happening in our own heads. You know, not only do we feel that worry about, well, you know, am I doing something wrong? Is this bad that my child is behaving this way? We're taking in that, that, and it is mostly a perception, I think, of looks. You know, I think sometimes 
even the old men we think are judging are probably not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's kind of the story I'm telling myself is everybody's thinking I'm a terrible mother and I'm being judged. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think that's happening for us. And although it's super hard for our child, they're not aware of their surroundings. They're yeah. not aware they're in public. They've lost it. So they're yeah. offline, which is scary for them. Mm. But I think for us, that kind of sense that we should be able to control this, that we are disrupting people. Um, and I don't think there's a parent um that that can't relate to that feeling of then yeah. getting that child to the car and just feeling like you're going to lose your mind mm. because you're in that shame reaction place where you're like that was so awful and I'm a terrible mother and it all just spirals sure. so yeah I think it is just as hard for parents if not if not harder it's worse yeah yeah um, and it's come- funny oh, sorry, quick quick story but I remember not that long ago um you know despite doing what I do my children still have public meltdowns what and <laughs> Can you believe it? Um, so I, my little guy, um, it was a classic situation of school pickup, rush, 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 yeah. had to get somewhere. He wanted a gingerbread man, which is his thing. And he collapsed and I, I couldn't do it. I literally didn't have my phone or money on me. I couldn't buy him one. Yeah. So I'm like, I did all of the steps that I would do. And we'll talk about them in a second, I think. Mm-hmm. I did everything right. And still he was gone. You know, yeah. it was game over. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. knew the only thing I could do was just pick him up and get him out of there. So yeah. I picked him up and I'm walking down the main street where I live and um, everybody, school picked up, everybody like saw it you know, and I was thinking, oh, so embarrassing, so hard and hard for me, hard for him, got him in the car. And I got this message from someone I didn't really know that well, but she sent me this message later that day, you know, just via WhatsApp. And she just said, saw you today doing that march with your child. I mean, you're just not a parent unless you've done that, are you? And I thought, isn't that so nice in terms of you think people are judging, but there was this mum. That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I think I've been doing a lot of like, reflection recently as to like like I like to if I start to feel like embarrassed or like stressed about behavior that my child showing in any way or even if it's about like you know not necessarily behavior but not quite reaching a milestone that was really hard for me as a first-time mom especially you know given my background and yes. our family history as well of autism in the family it was very hard um to kind of like not stress who am I kidding he went to like a speech therapist and a physical therapist who were both like this kid's fine please leave (laughs) so you know like full disclosure there but I think um like upon reflection I think it still comes down to that like systematic societal expectation that kids should be able to control their feelings and it's like when who who decided that like who I'm 30 years old and a clinical psychologist and I still struggle to manage my feelings at times like who decided that an 18 month or two or three or four year old even older should be able to regulate their feelings independently while overstimulated and and exactly what you just said who decided that given how many of us get unregulated absolutely absolutely (laughs) every week ourselves yeah and I think as well it comes down to like I think a lot of the time we associate emotional dysregulation with a diagnosis now. I, like, I don't know where that comes from, but like, I think, you know, we're all like really, really stressed about like, oh no, if they do this, this must be wrong. And sometimes it's like, no, nothing's wrong. They just they have to figure yeah. out to learn through experience. I so agree with that. And a lot of the parents that I'm working with, like often they will be, they'll come into a session and they want some strategies, but the biggest thing they're needing is reassurance that, yeah 
because their four-year-old is still having massive meltdowns, mm. there's nothing kind of wrong. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like I think you're absolutely right about that. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit tricky. Okay, so what then, like, when you're, I, I, like, I'm sure everyone will agree when you're in the comfort of your own home and you can close the windows, it's much easier to like work through a meltdown with a child. Because I think like my, my perspective on it is like, once a meltdown has started, like your example with your little guy, it's, it's really hard to kind of like put those steps in place to, to, to bring them down. But if you are in public, like what would your suggestion be when you, when you may not have access to your usual strategies or your usual strategies just aren't working? Like, what would you suggest? I think when you're in public, you need to be really aware of how much that perception of others is going to be impacting you in that moment. Mm. And so you're going to be much more tempted to push your child to being better or to get embarrassed and react from that shame place. Mm. Uh, And so it's really kind of what I do in the moment is I kind of go, oh, I'm in that thing and I need Mm. to just zone into my child. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I literally will get down low and look at my child partially because I'm trying to connect and show them I hear them, Mm -hmm. but also I'm trying to zone out the looks. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to really just focus in mm. so that I'm almost shutting it out. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, and then the biggest advice that I would give to people, if if possible, get out of there. Yeah. So <laughs> run. <laughs> Just confirming with your child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Take okay, cool, cool. Just thought I'd check. <laughs> and the message you're giving to your child in this moment is not look what you've done and yeah. now we're leaving in shame. It's like, let's get out of here. Yeah, this is not true. great for either of us. Yeah. And it's mostly they're not aware of their surroundings. Mm. You are. You're going to help them better. You're going to get through it better if you can mm. get out. Now, this isn't always possible, but I always think if you can get to the car or if you're at a party, a kid's mm. party, and your kid loses it, if you can get just out the front of the house or into yeah. a bed anywhere where even around the side of a house where you can get down low mm. and then just sit in it and then you don't feel watched. Mm. And I think you're going to parent better if That's you can do so that. That's so good. That's so true. Even like at the shopping centre, just going into like a like the parent change room or something like that where yeah. it's a little bit more quiet, there's less people around. Or and then also because what you were saying earlier about overstimulation mm, as mm. well, that's going to be a factor. So yes, sometimes yeah. we just need to get our child to that car because the whole environment at the park or wherever we were was overstimulating. Yeah. So I think that's great but not always possible sometimes mm. you're literally in the middle of a shopping center and you've got two kids and you're in it like yeah. I've been in Kmart you know yeah. <laughs> when my second child like through the most epic meltdown I've ever seen oh um you know and you're you're in it you've just got to you know acknowledge it you know you might look up and see the faces but if you can just zone in on your child and think mm. what do I need to do right now um I think the biggest thing we can do for ourselves and I just can't stress this enough, is self-compassion, which is a big um, hippie word. But really what I mean by that is this is really hard for me. I feel watched. I feel judged. I, you know, I'm doing the best I can. And I think that really helps, Mm. you know, as well as breathing and all of that kind of stuff. But I think the biggest, biggest, biggest thing is don't catch yourself from trying to push them, like distract and all of that stuff that we do. It's going, you're going to get through it faster if you can just sit in it. 
yeah. and accept it's happening. Absolutely. This is happening and I'm in it and I'm going to zone into my child. And really remember, we don't have to fix it or solve it or change it. We literally have to stay regulated ourselves. Mm. And you're going to do that a lot better with that self-compassion mm. um, for, you You know, this is really hard for me. All I need to do is breathe. And yeah, you can name feelings and there's all those other strategies but really your child can hear very few of your words in this yeah, moment. For sure. so it's much more about what you show. Mm. Um, I find just concentrating uh, on sometimes you can be saying, oh, you're really mad right now, but if your arms are crossed and your door that's is tight, saying. that's all they're saying. Yeah, so yeah, that's so true. Concentrate on that kind of open myself up, Yeah, show that compassion like this is hard, I get yeah. it, and I'm in it. And often once the minute your child feels really heard, it can turn they start um, to find, yeah. as quick as it came on. Yeah, that's so important as well. I think that what you're saying about like maybe with a public meltdown versus like a meltdown at home, um, using less words and just using your body language because if they're already overstimulated in a loud shopping centre and you're not able to kind of like get away from that environment they're not listening like that no. their ears are shut at that point they're only using very little of the senses that they have left to give you so uh, yeah I totally agree with that that's such a good point about like calming and detensing 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 your body detensing your body um and that sort of thing is is really really important because like like with anything I guess as well kids are just sponges they model so why why would they calm down if we're stressed and we're on it? And I just think the tendency to want to rush it over is much bigger because it's so uncomfortable for us. And like yeah. you say, even if you're if you're even if you're doing a great job sitting with feelings at mm-hmm. home, it is so different in public because Absolutely. of all that pressure. And so really is controlling us. Yeah. As always, with everything yeah. parenting. <laughs> great. I was hoping you'd give me like a magic pill or word. Or like a wand? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Great. What a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think as well, like, it's really important, like what you said about not rushing it. I just wanted to, I think, reiterate that, like, in my personal and professional experience, I found that the more you try and rush a child through big feelings like a meltdown, the longer it's going to go the longer that meltdown is going to go. So even though it feels like sitting with those feelings or just like holding your child in that moment is taking forever, it's Mm -hmm. taking less time than if you try to rush them through that. Yeah, so true. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a moment with one of my kids not that long ago and it just really stood out to me, but I sat with the feeling, we'd done it all. He'd had this big feeling. We were having a hug, we were connecting, he was settling. And I thought, great, time to get on with my day. And I'm like, okay, so what do you want to do? Should we get, you know, and he he just like floods of tears again. And I went, I'm sorry. I was rushing. So it's it's also just sometimes you think you're done and they're not. But definitely I just think that sometimes it's like the only way out of this is through it. Yeah. And we want that feeling to just get out completely, not Legit. quickly, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That. That's so important. It's like that, you know, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. We have to go <laughs> <in> over it. <laughs> and it is surrender. Yeah. Surrender. And it's yeah. really hard to do because we want to control this stuff. For sure. For sure. Oh, that was so awesome. I feel like that's going to be really helpful. In, well, it was really helpful for me, but I'm sure it's going to be like really helpful to so many parents that feel like they needed a little bit of like a, you know, pep talk to like get through those moments. And I, and I truly hope that like parents 
can feel like they aren't alone in those situations because I think a lot of the time you you kind of forget that you're not the only parent that has to deal with a meltdown because you, you might be the only one at the shops in that hour that you're there but right. it happens all the time um, and you're definitely not alone and it's not a reflection of you as a parent. Not at all and in fact you know one of the things that's helped me along the years is once I learned how important it is for our kids to have these sort of unregulated moments in order to grow their brains and then mm. our dogs to sit there even if your child had the most massive meltdown and even if you didn't perfectly sit with mm-hmm. every part of it but you did your best and mm. you were able to get through it without you know yelling or you know whatever I think sitting there at night thinking wow my child had this awesome opportunity to grow their brain today yeah. and it was you know once you're out of it I think yeah. reflecting back and going awesome like mm. isn't that great you know I often say to parents like that we want to see kids that are able to express their emotions and, sure. and sort of have these big feelings because this is how they practice it so absolutely kind of in hindsight if you can say awesome that was a good opportunity brain brain cells were developed yeah I think as well like we forget that when a child has a meltdown and they work through it, whether you co-regulate with them or whether they figure it out while you just sit there, which is, I guess, co-regulation as well. It is, yeah. That's emotional regulation. They've learnt to regulate their feelings through that. Did it take them, was it a, a long process? Yeah, it was, but it was regulation. And yeah, that's what we're after at the end of the day. That's right. And they just need so many opportunities to practice that. Yeah. And almost, you know, it's like we want our kids to fall when they're yeah. young so that they know how to take risks, you For know, sure. safely as adults. We want our kids to experience working through these feelings so they know how to work through when really big stuff happens as teenagers. So it's all good practice. Yeah, for sure. Jen, thank you so, so much for coming on um, the podcast today and chatting about this stuff. I think it was so helpful. If you want to like learn more about Jen and the work that she does, I'm going to link everything of hers in the episode notes um, for today's episode. But yeah, thanks, Jen. That was awesome. I really, really think that's going to be really helpful for a lot of parents. Thank you so much.